0: to how to win the lottery season two episode 15 the idiot by elif batuman i'm joey lewandowski shreds and this is the first of a two-part we are we're bonusing up this season next episode this is going to be the end this was the finale and then we're like encore one more yeah run it back because yeah as jim morrison said Mm
1: -hmm. this is the end our girl banana karenina the, the lizard king our girl banana
0: karenina Wrote a sequel to this called Either Or, which we got.
1: So I'll be out in two weeks on June 2. We got it on the broch. They, 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 they sent it to us because they know that we're 30,000 strong. They know of the promotional uh, powerhouse of how to win the lottery. They know that you send your book to us gratis and, and you'll get 30,000 sales in response it'll be a new york times bestseller and when when this book shows up on the new york times bestseller list you know who's taking the credit us yeah me more specifically cool even, even though you did all the work to get it <laughs> so we a, little get... B- a little behind the scenes here guys joey does everything they know. I, I, they I, they I know. Do it's come nothing. up a couple times
0: on the show <laughs> you program it and I do want to say that because we're extending this, and we also might extend it by another book based on a thing we're going to in real life tonight yeah.
1: to the homie Bud Smith's book release party,
0: and we are also adding one to next season. Next season is now going to carry us through the beginning of December. Oh, so, Jesus Christ! You know, it's May eighth right and now as we record of God. this Mother's Day of God, and uh, oh, next season Mother's Day, is going to has you as well. But here mm-hmm. we are, campus novel, the idiot. You were saying this is this reminds you of another book that we had read this season, but a be, in structure, but a better book because well, you love this book.
1: The idiot has uh, is one quarter of the structure of Prep by Curtis Sittenfeld. So uh, with with either or being sophomore year of our protagonist Celine Sellen. I
0: don't know. I yeah, Sellen.
1: Sellen. The Idiot is is uh, exclusively Cillin's first uh, freshman year at Harvard. Yes. Um, so the, the way that, that prep is structured, we go um, section by section. We go through her entire four years at a prep school, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. So the first two books of what I'm presuming is a series. As far as I know, there's no news that there's going to be a third book or a fourth book. But it feels like it, it would feel weird to go like the first two and then shut off after sophomore year.
0: So the idiot came out in March 17. of twenty seventeen. So five years ago. Yeah. So it will be fun to, you know, if she goes every five years, you know, twenty thirty-two will be completing her yeah,
1: why not? degree in, in Harvard. There's a thing right now that's very, very popular called auto fiction, which is about uh, cars. Yeah. Uh Lightning McQueen and whatnot. Ka-chow um, and whatnot. <laughs> Mater. Mm-hmm. Is that the Larry the Cable Guy plays Mater? Yeah. Yeah. He's a terrible character. Uh, why?
0: It's just, it's cliches, and all of, basically, Cars 2 is made her as James Bond. That's real.
1: That sounds awesome. I didn't see any of them, so I don't First one's pretty good. I don't watch movies for children. Third one's pretty good. Second one's not good. I don't watch movies that are for children, so no animated movies for me, because cartoons are for children. Okay. Um, Shred's taking a real hardline stance on animation. Yeah. Uh, that's for babies. So in the in the uh, in the literary world right now, something that's really popular is autofiction, which is kind of autobiographical fiction—fiction fiction that like sort of takes a hard line of realism, where it's like describing specifically, like, the events of a person's day or a person's life. And, and oh, that's Hewing, not what I thought you were meant. Okay, okay. Hewing, did you think auto was, like, automatic? No, no,
0: I thought you meant, like, autobiographical as in, like, because this, like, real life, like a couple other books this season have yeah. been basically the author's experience, sort of fictionalized.
1: Well, yeah, sure. But, that,
0: you, but you mean specifically, like, whether that's true or not, it's, like, the day in a life of a character.
1: Yeah, but I think, I think it is probably close to the person's, Life. I mean, I I know because I read a little bit about um, Elif Batuman that that this she does seem to be writing spef- specifically about her life. Yep. But autofiction seems to be something that's like incredibly popular right now, at least in literary circles, if not like you know like Barnes and Noble or whatever. Um, where I think this book transcends that because I'm not a, I'm actually not that wild about autofiction. Uh, there's like this guy you keep Ca- picking it though. Karl Nov Ausgra Uh, Carl Carl Ove Nasgråd, guard. I don't know. what. It, I've seen that name. Yeah, sure. He wrote like seven volumes of a book called My Struggle. Um oh. and, and that's like, you know, his childhood and his like through to his current day, I think. I haven't read it. Okay. Um, okay. But it's like, you know, really like the sort of thing that people are very, seem very up on, like it's very like award winning type book. Uh, what I think differentiates this book from those kinds of books not necessarily the the Nosgard book cuz i haven't I haven't read that um, what i think differentiates this book from those kinds of books is that it's doing a sort of parallel thing where it's telling one story that is very much like a bildungsroman uh we have the main character selin's growing up through the lens of being a freshman at harvard and then the other thing that this book is doing is that it's also viewing her through the lens of the classes that she's taking. So she's th- this book leans really hard on linguistics and semiotics. So you have uh, the free play of of signs and signifiers uh, sort of representing this other duller because it is like, in a sense kind of a boring book. Would you say that that's accurate?
0: what i was saying to you as i was reading it and i know that once again i'm i'm wondering and i don't want to derail us too much i'm you keep finding these books that are about language and i'm wondering if every book is about language or you're just drawn yeah, to that, these somehow i, I think
1: I, I think that's that's a possibility i think also a possibility is that because you're aware of the way in which the academic mode with which I think about these things. Yeah. That when you start looking at it, then you're also looking at language the way that, like, because our conversations often turn to these points. So you're looking for what's going to become pivot points right. in the conversation. And
0: I know, I don't remember which specific, but I, remember, I know other books this season, I I have said to you, I think, like, specifically Endzone, I'm like, I don't think it's about language. Like, I think it's expli- like explicitly yeah, about yeah, yeah, language. Like, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Like, I see other things in that. This, I think it's hard to not see that because it's, like, literally. Right. She's taking classes about it. I think in terms of like the dull, you said, what dull the word you used? Uh Boring. boring. I, think, I think it's
1: like uh, consciously, consciously boring because I think, honestly, the life of college freshmen are boring.
0: I think she's also, I think Selen's also frustrated because I think she's frustrated that she feels like the titular idiot in a way. Yeah. I think that she is frustrated in love and with her family to a certain extent and with her friends and her roommates and everything. It's just like, this all kind of sucks and I... I don't think that the the book is boring. I think the narrative is kind of boring, which is a not a not a negative.
1: I, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like I, um, you will have recognized over the course of how uh, twenty. This is the twenty fifth episode, right? Something like that. Um, it's the twenty fifth book. That, no, twenty sixth book because we added in a devil house. Devil house.
0: We've been doing this like a year. Yeah, uh,
1: you you will have recognized that I am. Not only re, uh, resistant to the categorization of boring as a pejorative, but also, like, embracing of boring as a theme. Because I like you things that move slowly, defy climax, resist expectations. And I think this the book— shoe endings. Yeah, and I think this book does all those things, not only because it is leading us to sophomore year. So so any ending we know is a temporary ending, right? Also, the the, the ending of this book— Mm -hmm. Is such a non-ending. Like the last lines
0: of this book. When I got back to school in the fall, I changed my major from linguistics and didn't take any more classes in the philosophy or psychology of language. They let me down. I hadn't learned what I had wanted to about how language worked. I hadn't learned anything at all. So basically, like, she spends a year of her life. (laughs) Like, I didn't get anything out of that. Like, time to start again, basically. Right, which is an
1: explicitly postmodern phrasing, right? Because language will inevitably disappoint you because language has to fall short of reality because you're using other people's signs to you're using other people's signs and signifiers to interpret your own personal version of things so it's like you you, you can any interpretation is going to fall short of reality because mm-hmm. other people are not dealing with the same language that you are you have to like come to a me- middle ground where you share something mm-hmm. so when she's talking about language disappointing her it's like That's the inevitability of language, Language has to be disappointing because it can't live up to reality.
0: So I think what this book is about to bring it back to, you know, sort of a plot summary is that it's split into two parts. And I think when you think of a campus novel, I'm thinking fall semester, spring semester, but it's not. It's basically school year and summer. And the summer is her. Yeah. Mostly, I think. Right. Uh And the summer is her in Hungary as an English teacher in a small village. Yeah. I think that the the what, so that's it, it just her at school learning stuff and meeting people and reading books and whatever in the, in the fall and the spring in school year. And then her going with some people that she kind of knows or meets or gets to know over there or whatever. Also kind of following this guy, Ivan over we'll talk about Ivan cause Ivan sucks. It's her experience over there. And I think that one of the real distinctions, like the lines in the sand, this book draws is that she's going to school with a sense of these people that she has so much in common with, but like, language kind of like lets her down in certain ways and then she gets over there and like it's much more frustrating but they're actually able to communicate and like there's a line at the end where she's talking to some kid and like it, it it's it's like touching in a way she's said something like you know he said a couple things to me in english and i realized that those were all things that i taught him how to say it's just like that's mm. a weird kind of like power and like importance and stuff so again like language literally language barriers
1: well okay so let's talk about um you you I, I told you beforehand that I had forgotten the name of this theory that exists within yeah. the book. Um, but it's something like the Wharf.
0: Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, S-A-P-I-R hyphen W-H-O-R-F, which said that the language you spoke affected how you processed reality. We learned that it was wrong. Whorf, a fire inspector, they always called him a fire inspector, believed that Hop- Hopi people perceived time differently than we did because their verbs didn't have tenses. He said Hopis didn't see two days as two different things, but rather as one thing that happened twice. It turned out that he was somehow wrong about that, about the Hopis. And then Chomskyans view the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis as the vilest slander, (laughs) not just incorrect but hateful, like saying that different races had different IQs. Because all languages were equally complex and identically expressive of reality, differences in grammar couldn't possibly correspond to different ways of thinking. In my heart, Selen narrates... I knew that Worf was right. I knew I thought differently in Turkish and in English, not because thought and language were the same, but because different languages forced you to think about different things. Turkish, for example, had a suffix, hyphen M-I-S with a some kind of character, mish, which you put on verbs to report anything you didn't witness personally. You were always stating your degree of subjectivity. You were always thinking about it every time you opened your mouth.
1: Selin believes fully that the language that you think in or that you speak in almost creates the reality that you exist in. So when she speaks English and this other kid speaks Hungarian, which she doesn't speak, or she only comes to learn toward the end, they're existing in essentially two different worlds, their reality that are completely different. So his using language that she taught him Means that they can step into the same world and exist at the same time, because the only thing that determines reality is communicability, mm-hmm. right? So, like, yeah, that that is um, a fascinating way to to get get towards at the at the end of the book, that and it's, it's
0: also about- mirrored. In the first half, when she's an ESL teacher, and she's teaching English like, this guy who only speaks Spanish.
1: Yeah, the Papa is blanco. That's like, that, that made me laugh so hard.
0: And they create a language that's neither English nor Spanish, and no one understands except for them. And, like, it doesn't matter. Like, they can communicate, but, like...
1: And he's, like, really satisfied with, yeah. like, when she, she's like, the paper is what? And he's like, the Papa
0: is blanco. <laughs> Got it.
1: And she's just like, sure, yeah, that works. Yeah, so it's good. Like, it's just... The the the
0: biggest frustration in her life, I think, is this guy Ivan, who I thought for a while was two different Ivans. Is that am I dumb, or does it make it seem because like she has this like deep, sort of semi-profound, or at least profound for a college freshman, email correspondence with this guy. This all takes place in the nineties.
1: Yeah, which is which is significant because email is yet another new method of communication, creating an entirely separate reality. So they yeah. have a, a a dual relationship. Uh, a relationship that exists on two different planes of reality one that exists in writing uh, and one that exists in person
0: and even in their writing I they think they're writing in both English and like Russian and so like mm-hmm. there's a th- another layer there anyway
1: right yeah they share they share Russian class and their and their and they're learning she's a, an American uh, who speaks Turkish because she was raised there he's she. she's raised in america but her family's turkish from new jersey hell from, yeah from new jersey which a lot of we, we can talk about this so many of these books have protagonists from new jersey that go elsewhere
0: i do feel and maybe it's just the mark marinification of it all but it feels like because he's from new jersey he finds out on his podcast that so many people are, like new jersey is just like a a, a starting uh, point yeah, for like leave. yeah
1: it's the opposite of los angeles sure like nobody's from los angeles everybody lives in los angeles Nobody lives in New Jersey, but everybody's from New Jersey. Yeah. Um, but so she is an uh, uh, American with a Turkish family, she, so she speaks both English and Turkish. He is a Hungarian who is in America to study math. He speaks uh, Hungarian and English, and they both share Russian. So they're all existing in three different worlds, right? Four different worlds, because you consider that that they exist in person, where they speak in English and Russian, and they exist on the internet as well, where they speak English and Russian, but through through writing, which is much, much different. Yeah. So th- she's trying to, like, thread all of these different realities together to make sense of this person, who is essentially completely opaque. Yeah. She has this
0: email correspondence with Ivan, but then in when they have class together, he just completely ignores her. And meanwhile, in Russian class, they're reading... Like as they learn Russian, yeah, they're reading progressively more complicated stories.
1: Well, they're reading a single story a s- that gets progressively more right. complicated because chapter by chapter it uses more cases,
0: which is cool. I like that idea.
1: Uh, it's a great. I mean, I think that's probably the uh, fantastic way to teach languages. I don't yeah. know anything about teaching languages. I speak one language, and and i um, speak it. I I don't I the rules and stuff of grammar. I still am not like an expert. Right, at. like I couldn't tell you what, like nominative accusative dative case i like i can't i can't explain all that stuff to people I've, I've, I've had to teach stuff like that before and it's always something that i have to like look at in the moment and explain it and right. then like later on if someone asks me i'm just like i don't really know i have to go back to the material right so like that stuff is all very very
0: difficult for me so in this text that they're reading in russian the main girl what's the main girl the character's name arena or something
1: i think it was something with an n
0: oh arena was a russian person who comes to their class anyway in the novel, in the story that they're reading, this this main the protagonist sees two different people, two different the same name, but they're different people. Right, and I'm like, is this? Thing, are there two Ivans? That she thinks she's emailing the one Ivan. And there's a different Ivan because she's just like. She, like, has, like, the, basically the the Rolodex or, like, the white, yellow pages or whatever of the school. And she, like, types in this name, like, Ivan. It's like, oh, here's the Ivan. I'm emailing this guy. And so, like, I was like, oh, it's a different person. There's going to be, like, some switcheroo.
1: Yeah, that's interesting.
0: But, no, it's just that he's kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, the thing later where, like, maybe I misinterpreted this, but, like, he was doing this as, like, a social experiment.
1: Did you, do you remember that he passage? He was, like, talking to her as a social yeah. experiment. That seems like what he's doing anyway, like the whole, like he doesn't seem, he he seems like he wants their conversations to exist on a plane, on, on like a theoretical plane.
0: Because he, they spend, they go back to each other's like dorm rooms and they go on like all these ostensibly dates and they never kiss. Like they're constantly in romantic situations where like you think something's going to happen. Like they don't even, and like he kind of gets pervy in ways like, oh, you should take off your dress. You should change. You, should do, like, you don't want to have a way.
1: Yeah. He sort of like. Uh, presses her to drink when she doesn't really want to
0: and so she's re- he's really kind of gross in that way but like I feel like and I'm trying to find the highlight here that they he did this all because he has at least one if not two girlfriends in the text that isn't selling Yunus, yeah and I remember seeing something about like how he was doing it as like an experiment to like see how she would react yeah um, Which is really scummy. If that's if I if I understood it right. Well, I think
1: I, I I don't think he's thinking of it as being scummy. I think he's thinking of it as like this is an interesting person that I want to experiment with. Um, and I'm not excuse. I mean, I think Ivan is trash. I think he's he's a really terrible character. And he also to to his. "Quote unquote," credit, I guess, a little bit. He never really does make a move on her. He never tries to sleep with her or kiss her or anything like that, which, like, is an interesting thing to happen in the book because it's another one of those things where it's building up the expectation and leading you towards a sort of climax that doesn't happen, right? Yeah, and it feels very, very, very realistic in so far as the anticipate Selin's anticipation of sex and her relationship with Ivan result in almost like counterintuitive pain right like he when he like touches her hand she loves him she says that she loves him she tells him she loves him um when he touches her hand she feels not she doesn't feel excited about it she feels like a real horror she feels like Mm -hmm. dread and that dread is probably exists in a place where she's like not ready to physically commit to any kind of relationship and knows that it's going to go badly or knows that he can only disappoint her, you'd think that she would be excited at his touch. And, like, I have memories of that sort of shit, too. Like, when I was, like, 14, 15, whatever, even even later on, when you're just like, oh, this is something that I want, but then if it starts to happen, you're just like, oh, shit, no, I guess I don't want that. And you feel like your body doesn't really, you don't know how... You don't, you, your body is not giving you the reaction that you think your brain would want from something. Right. And I've never really seen that captured in a book before the, the, this way. Sort of the this uh, – I think Bautamun really, really captures the terror of adolescent. I mean, Stellan is a little bit older than you'd expect for this story to be. Plan- it seems plan- like a high school that, thing as opposed yeah, to a college yeah, yeah, thing,
0: right? Yeah. But she also does seem in- – like not – she seems extremely naive to the world like she is the idiot right like she just doesn't know things and that's not like in a bad way like she's not like dumb she's just inexperienced
1: yeah the idiot it should be said is is um uh, she's using the title of a dostoevsky novel titled the idiot in which the idiot is someone who has epilepsy
0: so yeah so the book is titled after dostoevsky book Batuman's twitter is banana karenida and this is basically our friend egg was saying that like it's essentially very similar to Anna Karenina in terms of the, I guess, narrative structure potentially.
1: Like her relationship to to. I get. I I, I don't know. Levin is similar to Vronsky. I'm not that familiar with Anna Karenina to because
0: be honest. there was a thing that I sent you that there's a quote. My mother was reading, re-reading Anna Karenina. She said that Anna Karenina was about how there are two kinds of men: men who liked women, Vronsky Oblonsky; men who didn't really like women, Levin. Vronsky made Anna feel good about herself at first because he loved women so much, but he didn't love her in particular enough, so she had to kill herself. Levin, by contrast, was awkward, boring kind of a pain, more interested in agriculture than in Kitty, but in fact he was a more reliable partner because in the bottom of his heart he didn't really like women. So Anna made the wrong choice and Kitty made the right choice. That's what my mother thought Anna Karenina was about. Okay. And I feel like that comes in the novel, in this novel, in The Idiot. When we're learning about Ivan, but we're also learning about Ralph, who is, like, her high school friend. And I don't know that he shows any interest in her whatsoever, but yeah. he seems much more of, like, an appealing, suitable partner or whatever. And she just completely bypasses that altogether. We talk about
1: his handsomeness pretty frequently. And, yeah. And there is some suggestion that he might be gay, I guess.
0: He Also, he gets, he gets mad when somebody a- a- accuses him of being gay, I think, right? Or something like that. I think
1: Ivan suggests it, and he gets a little bit offended by it. I was like,
0: because clearly it seems Ivan shows no interest towards Salen romantically, but she's still in with him. And I'm like, it's just the wrong man. And I liked that at the end when she's in Turkey, I think, like the very end when she goes home for a little bit at the end, there's another dude who comes up to her and just like is treating the same way that Ivan. She's just like, I'm out, man. Like, I, I see what this is. Like, I'm I'm good. Yeah. So she grows and just like, I don't know what I want, but I know what I don't want. And based on Ivan, I know that this is not Good for me, which so I was like proud of her growth there.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I think that Ivan uh, is not romantically interested in her, but he's interested in her being romantically interested in him. Right? Yeah. It's it's like a power thing, right? Yeah. He likes yeah. he likes having someone who's infatuated with him. He likes having someone that he can make feel bad he likes having someone that they likes have having
0: power over her right, right. You
1: know. they have that conversation where they're like okay it's they're essentially playing truth or dare without the dare part but they're like asking each other questions and as the conversation gets more and more painful for her he seems to be enjoying it more and more like he likes the idea that she's that he can hurt her
0: and it just feels like everything he does Makes her feel bad, either directly or indirectly. Like, he'll tell a joke and he'll laugh and she's like, I don't get it. And he's like, yeah, it's, it's funny.
1: Yeah, he also bullies her over stupid things like that thing where he's like, um, strawberries grow in trees. And she's just like, they don't. They grow in bushes. And he's like, no, stop being stupid. Strawberries grow in trees. And she's like, okay. And he's like, why are you so easy to convince? Yeah. Like, he's essentially just like bullying her into agreeing with him. And then when she does, he belittles her for it.
0: Terrible. even though she like pushes back like twice like I don't think so
1: yeah he's also significantly older than she is he's like 24 and she's yeah. 18
0: because he's about to graduate he's at the yeah. end he's either going to go to Berkeley or like whatever Like there's maybe a couple... he's only 21 maybe he's not he's... but he's he's old like, you know and the, yeah the... he's a as, senior as you know I'm sure as a blank job title uh the difference between like 18 year olds and like 21 year olds is is immense massive it's right? like it's
1: like when you uh you know you remember when you were a senior in high school and then the freshmen come in and you're just like oh my god they look like babies yeah it's like it's so funny uh, cuz college freshmen are, are similar right some some college freshmen just look like children right mm-hmm. but then like people who are about to graduate college like seem kind of like adults yep
0: can we talk about Svetlana cuz i
1: think i love yeah. Svetlana
0: but i also think no, she's she's, great. A, she's, uh, she's very annoying but i think it's annoying in a fun way i think she's great So Svetlana is just a friend that she meets in uh, Russian class who just basically won't shut up. Like whenever she's like on screen, quote unquote on screen, she just is she's talking and it's
1: a delight. But they have a they have a a great relationship because they actually it feels like they're always talking about things that legitimately matter to them. Svetlana is a good intellectual foil for Selen because they care about the same things. And there's like um, an interplay of ideas between them in a way that they move toward making sense, right? Mm-hmm. As, as opposed to uh, Selin's interplay with Ivan, which just makes their relationship more and more opaque. Every time they, they have an exchange, she understands their relationship less, right? It becomes something that is more and more confusing. Whereas with Svetlana, they're like working together toward truth rather yeah. than working together toward a confusion.
0: And also they have different goals. Like Svetlana just like, here's everything that you might want to or not want to know about me. And Ivan just like, I'm not going to tell you anything about anything. Like, he's like a wall, and she's like literally an open book.
1: Yeah, and Svetlana and, and Selen are both, um, like, sexually inexperienced. They are, like, essentially at the exact same parts in their lives, with the exception of Svetlana is a survivor of war. Mm-hmm. Right? She's a, she came to America from Belgrade? I don't remember. I think she's from—I think she's Yugoslavian
0: here is the quote from before that i was trying to find this is a svetlana thing i've been wanting to try and experiment a game it would never have worked with someone different than someone like me but you and this also goes into the svetlana selling thing but you you're so disconnected from truth you were so ready to jump into a reality the two of you made up just through language naturally it made him want to see how far he could go you went further and further and then something went wrong it couldn't continue in the same way it had to develop into something else into sex or something else but for some reason it didn't the experiment didn't work but by now you're so so far from all the landmarks you're just drifting in space.
1: Yeah, there's a thing I don't know. Again, this is I I've already read the sequel to this book, so there might be like some confusion for Spoilers. me in between which is which is which. But I think there's a bit where Svetlana talks about how she is a, a, an incredibly strong, and this is also why Selen and Svetlana can't live together, right? She um, is an incredibly strong personality. Selin is an incredibly strong personality, and she feels like they would be competing if if they were if they were together. Svetlana seeks out people who are stable and who will, like... Ground her? Ground her, yeah, and sort of, like, uh, exist within her worldview um, so that she becomes... So that everything in her life becomes more stable, whereas Selen is looking for people to destabilize her. She's looking for a world that, like... She's looking for interesting so people. To bust out of her bubble. The people that show up at a party and they take over everything and she, like, is interested in those people, whereas Svetlana is the opposite of that. Um, so Even though,
0: by comparison, I think Svetlana is is much closer to that than Selen is, right?
1: Much closer to the person that comes in and takes over. Yeah. Par- no, exactly. But that's why. That, oh, okay, that, that's yeah, yeah, why she's not seeking out those people, because those people have stronger personalities than she does. Whereas Selen is seeking out people who do have stronger right, personalities. Right, okay, yes. Okay, gotcha. So that she can... Um, you know, essentially go on adventures and become a different person than who she is. And Ivan is that kind of person. Ivan does seem like, you know, seems in a lot of ways like the smartest person in the room. There's no real evidence to us of that. But like...
0: Well, he carries himself. He comports himself as though he is.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Which is like when you're in college, it's kind of what's important, especially when you're a senior talking to freshmen. Like they already assume that you're, you know, you're, you're a mathematics major at Harvard. They assume that you're like a genius already.
0: I think there's something funny that we just came off the instructions, which, you know, I'm going to look up because I started rereading the instructions very, Couldn't very slowly. could different books. I know that, but I'm but there's something similar to a certain extent that like through the first 70 pages of the instructions, right? Like 35 characters through 70 pages. Yeah. And this, I was like, because off the instructions, because you're like, this guy, Benji's this, and this is this, and this is, this. I'm just like, I remember names, but I don't remember associates. So I would, like, wanted to be much more thorough. So like now with this, I'm like, okay, Not going to make the same mistake twice. Going to write everything down. And I'm writing all these character names down and they never come back. Yeah, Hannah,
1: like her roommate Hannah is barely in it at all. Angela is not in it really at all, right? And there's a a line
0: later in the book, you know, about maybe three quarters of the way through the book, where Stellan just like being in Hungary – felt increasingly like reading War and Peace. New characters came up every five minutes with their unusual names and distinctive locutions and you had to pay attention to them for a time even though you might never see them again for the whole rest of the book. I'm just like, yeah, you just described the previous 300 pages. I'm just like, all oh, these people are important. I'm going to remember all of them. And then I'm like, it happened like three times. I'm like, who's Ralph? Oh, I remember Ralph now. Got it. But like <laughs> almost everyone else is just like, a, you know.
1: But it's also like, look, let's, let's, let's play like connective tissue here because this is, it, it, if something that this book tells us is that like, Uh, literature reflects life and life reflects literature right she's always like talking about these books and these books are like her entire life story is written in these things you're also talking about the book of wall right now right (laughs) the the ways in which you have over the years do you want to explain the book of wall yeah let's do it like over the years we've had a group chat like how many how many years is this group chat gone on for I've been in it for four years. I've been
0: um, in it for probably at least nine or ten. Basically, since we all got iPhones and, like, you could just easily drop in, drop out of a thread, there's been, like, a few... It's it's changed a few times, but, like, there's basically been, like, a ten-year-long thread that, like, on a a busy day, we'll see thousands of texts
1: back and and forth. and, And a third of this group, fully a third, right, is people from the same town in high school. The same graduating class, basically. Same graduating class. Well... Close. Yeah, Andy's, like... Andy was, like, a freshman when I was a senior, I think, and, like... Matt and Dylan are great blue. Anyway, this is the
0: dumbest and funniest thing. Please keep going.
1: But over the course of years and years and years, we'll just tell stories from high school or from like there are people that come up, like girls we had crushes on or teachers, or especially now that the teacher stuff is getting really dramatic because there's like a scandal in our hometown. And there are all of these recurring characters. But, like, by this point, there are probably thousands of them, right? <laughs> there are like, there are so many characters.
0: And the way that you guys talk about it, it's just like, oh, yeah. And, like, you know, like, Selen or whatever. And, like, you know, remember Selen? Like, just talking about Selen, like, we all know Selen. And, like, literally only a third of you do, a third of us do. <laughs> but because I've only deleted, I think, like, one thread, and that was by accident, I couldn't recover it. I called up. I'm like, I need this back. To it's too late. I'm just like, oh, no, history is gone. <laughs> um. If you if I search a name in my phone, it's almost a guarantee that someone has talked about them at length at some other time, and these are all people that I have never met, will probably never meet, but they all exist as fully fledged, but fully you, fleshed out characters yeah. in your narrative, which has also become part of my narrative, right? Secondhand, right?
1: It's insane. You can provide context for these people that like like will mention someone will be like oh so and so like we'll say like a teacher's name we will have forgotten that four years earlier we had a different conversation about Mm -hmm. that feature and the thing from four years earlier very well might correspond directly. Like Uh you might be able to trace a line of personality or of consequence directly from one of those things to the other. And like, because there are multiple grades and different friend groups, because I, I had a friend group that entirely was not these kids in high school, but they like know them tangentially because we went to the same high school. Uh, Dylan and Matt had friend groups that were that had nothing to do with me, right? Andy obviously had to completely right. like these are all intersecting parts that like tell a much, much, much broader story of an entire town during. A four Uh, or five year window. Yeah, during a four or five year window, which is still going on because now we can check in with these characters and they're 20 years older than they were then. And it's like, here's what's going on with these characters now. And it's very novelistic and very, like, strange.
0: So I've been joking for literally years I should start writing the Book of Wall, which is just an oral telling of this four or five year stretch of these people in this community and the way that they interact with each other. But like... There's no practical use to that. That's not of any value to anyone other than five of us.
1: Well, it would also be interesting to see what contradictions there were within that. Sure. Because you have different perspectives and you have people who are telling stories, but they're telling stories um, in order to be funny. So certain things are exaggerated. Characters are changed. Events are slightly tweaked to maximize the Mm -hmm. the potential of the story. Yeah. so like all of this stuff is 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 fascinating, but it is like our narrative exists within the context of this group thread, pieced together over a decade.
0: Yeah, and just like stories that are out of context, but are just reminded, like, oh, I saw this person at the grocery store the other day. They ever tell you about blah blah blah? And it's like it's it's just it's it's incredible.
1: It's the, it's, it's like an epic novel.
0: Yeah, uh, that nobody would ever want to read.
1: No, but that's that's the thing is that I think that like,
0: and I don't say that's a bad thing because like it's it's of immense and immense interest to a very select group of people but Mm -hmm. i feel like if any i mean i guess you kind of have to know but like if any of the people that we talk about not even maliciously but just like bringing up 20 years later and by we i mean you and i'm just listening i'm just like i don't know any of these people are that they are the subject of a conversation between 12 people uh most of whom they've never met it also makes you wonder like are other group threads they talking absolutely about are. you? They
1: absolutely are. That's that's like this is the way that the world works now that we're so like interconnected and that we have all of these places to put our stories. Yeah. Like it's no longer just people telling stories and those stories disappear because you're, you know, either said them out loud or you had nowhere to put them over all those years. Now there are places to put them and there are blogs and there are... Podcasts, social media mm-hmm. and all of these things that like, you know, I sometimes like on when I when I had Facebook, you you would it would be like, here's a memory from seven years ago. And I would just be like, oh, shit, like, yeah. that is wild. because yeah. That was seven years ago. And that that's something that happened. So, like, I think getting back to the book, I think that she's doing the same sort of postmodern assembling of a story giving us a singular perspective of all of these characters over a significant length of time. I mean, in this case, not a significant length of time, but over one year. Um, but as we, as like the selling narrative goes further, it might go four years. It might go 10 years. You might, you might get selling out of, out of college. I don't know.
0: Cause in real life, Elif Batuman, author of two books, now I guess three, three.
1: The possessed. She's got the, the the book that's it's a nonfiction book about people who love Russian literature.
0: Staff writer for the New Yorker, born in New York City of Turkish parents, raised in New Jersey. Graduated from Harvard, got her doctorate in comparative literature from Stanford. So, selling going to Stanford next. <sighs> yeah, maybe you never know.
1: Well, there's also there's also this idea that, um, which I try to resist in fiction outside of Philip Roth, who I think does it well. Um,
0: okay, Gurian. This
1: idea of author. As protagonist, mm-hmm. which Selen is like, she's a writer, right? She's like, wants to write all, down all these stories. She wins the contest. Yep. Um, Do
0: we know what her story is about?
1: No. I don't think so.
0: Because she's like, she's like, I have to read, but we don't hear her read. We don't know. We don't see it published. She's just like relieved that it gets published, yeah. like mostly in like tiny tiny texts at the back of the magazine.
1: But it's very, it's very funny when she describes the other people's stories. She's like, one person's story is about how he has a butt for a head and things like that. And it's like, yeah, I remember those stories. Well, this
0: book, we should say, I don't know if we've been clear about it, is very funny. That like, yeah, yeah it's yeah, yeah, very, yeah, yeah. it's kind of slow, and I did not like it as much. I still really liked it, and I'm still looking very much forward to either or. I was wondering if there's going to be a book that we do that I like more than you do, because I don't think... I've loved books, but I think every book that I've loved, every book we've read, I think you've enjoyed more.
1: Maybe Endzone.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, that might be my favorite book, so that's probably...
1: But I think maybe I just like stuff more than you do. Is that true? Well, I don't think I, I don't think it's true for movies. Positivity
0: is kind of my brand. Yeah, I think
1: I like books more
0: than you do. Probably.
1: Um, And just, uh, yeah, I don't know. But,
0: know. so, the reason I bring that up is because we were talking about, I'm like, I kind of wish there was a little bit more to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that as I was talk as we were briefing you were like, you were always ahead of me in the novel, so we were never actually talking about the book itself because we, we, we at, also
1: try not to talk that much about the book yeah. itself so that we can have this conversation yeah, you know, full-on
0: right conversation with egg and then just you know come in here with your
1: your mind <laughs> melds and i plagiarize her <laughs> she says a bunch of smart stuff and i just steal it yep. and use it on the podcast
0: but like i was just like i i like the i think i it's very funny like every couple of pages i laugh out loud but i kind of wish there was more and then i'm like then she goes hungry and it kind of like i find that like less appealing especially because i think I'm, we're in like the campus mindset but like i think the hungry stuff is super effective in hammering home the points she's making, the themes that she's doing.
1: Yeah, it also alienates her from um Right. It really English, puts the language right? thing in. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, like, the, the summer being the end of the book and it being this thing where it's, like, she's going all over the place and she's, like, very much disconnected from Harvard. Like, it is structured, but it is also kind of, like, Fuck whatever structure you thought was happening with this yeah. book. It's do, we're doing something completely different. Because
0: also, you like you're like okay, so okay, part two is going to be Europe. Like, there's going to be her as this you know teacher of a small village, and then like the first like third of that is like two days or whatever, or a couple days or whatever she spends in Paris. I'm just like,
1: wait, hold on. I, well, also, when you say part two, I think this is a 425 page book. It implies that. 200-something pages are in in Hungary, which is not the case. Right. Like, it's only, what, like, 100 pages maybe, 75 pages?
0: Like, if a book is kind of bisected almost exactly in half, Mm -hmm. part one, part two, and part one is Harvard, and part two is Europe, but, like, a third of Europe is Paris, and a third of Europe is Hungary, and a third of Paris— But is
1: it—it's not—it's half, like, only half of it is Harvard? I thought, like, easy, like, I thought it was three-quarters Harvard and one quarter—
0: Part two, she's wow, really? at the airport. Mm-hmm.
1: Huh. I totally thought I totally thought that the majority of the book was at Harvard. And it nope. was just like a quarter of it.
0: it. Maybe it's 250 and 200, but like yeah. the part two is like almost exactly in the middle. Also in the Harvard of it all, she stays in Matthews Hall, which is the oh, same yeah. place that David <laughs> Faderman, Faderman yeah. and the Matthews Marauders stay in Loner, which I was just like, what?
1: She and Svetlana are cooler than those dudes, though. Yeah. Well, is not in Matthews, right? Svetlana is somewhere else but yeah she's cooler than
0: although you can uh, the, what the, one of the, the first funny funny things in this book is when her roommate just like go buy uh, i bought this refrigerator you can use it if you buy it as a poster and she's like like okay sure like what should i buy a poster of she's like i don't know something college what like something just get Albert Einstein and she gets an Einstein poster but she very
1: she very clearly wants someone to get the Einstein poster where he's got his tongue sticking out right which is the the poster and she doesn't do that she gets like a different Einstein poster where he's just like writing on a chalkboard or something
0: and everyone is just like so disgusted by her choice in posters she's like i didn't even want to buy the poster and that's why i was saying like i don't want to whitewash this book because i that's a problem in hollywood but the way that she just gets so flustered by just i didn't even want to get involved with this poster don't blame me for the poster it's just a very dylan galula actress podcaster wonderful person we both love uh that's just like i can see her just getting like i didn't want this isn't Stop it. I don't care. <laughs> and so I was just picturing her. And I know that, you know, she's a different ethnicity. But yeah,
1: that that uh, that that was the first part of the book that really made me laugh hard. Because um, like every few
0: pages, I would say like every three or four pages, like I would laugh out loud. Which yeah. Is hard. So
1: in, in so much as I I think of this as being a comedy. Right. A comedy that like has like a sadness in it, but a comedy nonetheless
0: I asked what kind of poster she had in mind psychedelic she said <laughs> listen leave me out of this I said it's not really my poster it's a complicated situation and like the posters there the entire like everything like, they reference the posters like walking by the poster and just like frustrating right so
1: Dylan bought that poster that was like uh, a uh, like a sailor kissing a woman in World War II yeah we had that poster in our in our in our dorm room but like it was kind of ironic. I guess. We also had a Beavis and Butthead poster.
0: But, like, it's ironic to you, but, like, anybody comes in just like, oh, yeah, okay.
1: E- right, yeah, which is kind of why it was funny to us, I guess. It's hard to explain.
0: Well, like, it's just like the Jim Belushi, John Belushi? John Belushi, John college Belushi. one.
1: <laughs> yeah, all those college students with their Jim Belushi posters. <laughs> their, their world according to Jim one sheets. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're about last night posters. <laughs> hey,
0: man. <laughs> you never know. Uh,
1: no, I like Jim Belushi, man. He's great in, in Show Me a Hero.
0: So, okay. What I thought was funny, and I think we talk about this in different books, this season in particular, where it's about like a character like reflecting back to the time in college or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. That she's writing this seemingly after the fact. Yeah. But she's writing it as though it's in present tense. Like, this is, like, this is what I'm doing, this is where I'm going, blah, blah, well, she blah. Well,
1: she's also journaling very heavily.
0: Right. I, this is probably not correct, but I feel like the only time that she, like, refers to something with hindsight is talking about the Awesome Blossom appetizer. <laughs> which I thought was very funny, because, like, Ivan and Selen go out or whatever, and they go to this restaurant. And then, with retro, like, with hindsight, <laughs> she's like, it like, since like, been discontinued. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that she applies knowledge to after the fact is about a goddamn chain appetizer. Did you ever have an awesome blossom? Um, I've had the blooming onion, which is you know same thing, same thing, different yeah. chain. Yeah, yeah. But I just, it was so funny that like she's the entire narrative is about how this character knows nothing. It's ostensibly, the woman, whether you're thinking as as Elif or like grown-up Selin or whatever, is like. I'm I'm wiser. I'm more composed. I know more. I could add context, and she never. Yeah, the the does only that. the
1: only thing that gets context is the awesome blossom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the funniest thing.
1: Yeah, I don't fuck with onions, so I've never never had well, an awesome you know, like blossom the, before.
0: It's it's just fried food or whatever, but like it's the dipping sauce that's like prop that's you know.
1: I guess so. I wouldn't go near that thing.
0: I also want to say I wrote down hell yeah. Math as a language.
1: Yeah, right. Which is
0: pretty cool, which I feel like, considering how many times we've talked about language this season in particular, math never comes up. And that you're
1: a math dork, too. (laughs) 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 You are! When, when I needed someone to help me study for a test that I had to take, I zoomed Joey and I, I, I made him teach me how to d- multiply and divide fractions. It And art. he did. And I learned. And the next day I took the test and I passed it. Uh-huh. And then I n- it immediately <laughs> left my head. And I, and I haven't thought about fractions since. But Joey, has a, Joey had a perfect score on his math SATs, right?
0: Yep. And every time our friend Charlie would go into a room with me, he, he would introduce me as, <laughs> this guy got a perfect score on his math SATs. I'm like, that's not... Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's how you want to introduce you, me. You shouldn't be ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed That I'm just like, there's so much more to me than that, but sure. I also, if I'm just scrolling through my notes, I like that they explain very timely about why we don't call it the Ukraine and just Ukraine. Like, yeah. Which is, yeah, that's important. Because Ukraine means borderland. And yeah. so just calling it the borderland is diminutive, but like borderland is just like, yeah, it's a place. But like the borderland is just like, ooh, it's not really a place. Because
1: it defines it in relationship to specifically Russia, which is offensive yeah it, 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 and yeah.
0: it takes agency away from it basically right also her like there's a big chunk of this book dedicated to like her learning about life and teaching english via the beatles and it seems like she does not give a shit about the beatles and she doesn't approve the beatles She does not like the beatles but like they're all just like all these. oh like,
1: actually it made me it made me laugh um because uh she's teaching the uh via via the beatles um we have a friend who's getting married in Greece, and uh, I'm going there with my with my friend Dylan, and we got a little card that said uh, – like, he gave us a card that had, like, a bunch of Greek phrases on it. And one of them is, is Yasu, and Yasu means – I hope that I'm getting this
0: right. Yasu leech?
1: Yasu means um, hello, but Yasu also means goodbye. And Dylan, the, the first – Dylan who used to teach English to Japanese children, and I assume maybe did it via the Beatles um, – the first thing that he he said when he looked at it was like, he was like, this makes the Beatles song really confusing. Like, you say Yasu, Yasu I say Yasu. Yasu. Yeah. Um, so, like, I th- that was interesting to me because Dylan is someone who has taught English in foreign programs before, and the first thing he said when he picked up a, a like, card about foreign languages was, like, this makes the Beatles confusing.
0: Well, also, I think in this novel somewhere, they talk about a, a language where hello and goodbye are the same word. Like, that's, it happens here, too. Like, it's not just Greek. It's, like... Mm-hmm. Unless we're talking about Greek here. They also talk about, for a moment, which I have never seen in writing because I think it was like a failed experiment. Uh, Esperanto. But Esperanto, which the only time I hear about it now is when Paul F. Tompkins brings it up on Comedy Bang Bang as just like this like failed thing or whatever. But for a huge plot
1: point in a Tony Kushner play. But go ahead.
0: For seemingly a season about like language when Esperanto is like the universal language. It has words from every language. But they're like, well, there's only like two Hungarian words or whatever. Right. Like, they're not. They're not exactly flattering. So. I was like, oh, okay, cool. There's the other thing that I want to say is that, like, I think there's something incredibly valuable while you're looking this up about she brings a couple novels, like, dense, weighty tomes with her to Hungary. And, like, after days of just speaking broken English and, like, sort of, like, frustrating interactions... Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm craving, like, language, like, I'm craving English in a way that, like, only, like, Dracula can provide me right now. Right. And she's escaping to these novels that are, like, hundreds of years old or hundred years old or whatever, because, like, no one around her is able to speak to her the way that she, like, her brain needs to understand English. Yeah. Which is kind of a fascinating thing to think about.
1: Yeah, for sure. I have this thing that Svetlana is saying. Svetlana said that I thought of myself as a robot who could only act negatively. She said I had cynical ideas about language. You think language is an end in itself. You don't believe it stands for anything. No, it's not that you don't believe. It's that you don't care. For you, language itself is a self-sufficient system. Uh, Someone says, but it is a self-sufficient system. And so Lana says, do you see what you're saying? This is how you get yourself involved with the devil incarnate. Ivan sensed this attitude in you. He's cynical in the same way you are, only more so because of math. It's like you said, math is a language that started out so abstract, more abstract than words, and then suddenly it turned out to be the most real, the most physical thing that there was. With math, they built the atomic bomb. Suddenly this abstract language is leaving third-degree burns in your skin. Now there's this special language that can control everything and manipulate everything. And if you're the elite who speaks it, you can control everything. yeah right that's like a very very important point because like something that when, when when you brought up math i i wanted to hit on this uh very specific idea that uh the book talks about which is that math and math formulas existed before they knew that those math formulas corresponded directly to many of the things that they describe in the world right so it's almost as if the creation of math created the correspondence rather than those things ra- rather than discovering math right there's this idea like you know how people say that like oh thomas uh, or whatever fucking discovered electricity like benjamin franklin discovered electricity with the key and the kite it's like he didn't invent it invent it right it was it was always there like um yeah that's what i was trying to say he, yeah. he invented electricity but but like they're saying like it's almost like um fatalistic right like the creation of math created the corresponding Nature the, created like a correspondence between nature and the language of mathematics, which then impacted the physical reality of the world. The same way that the language that the same way that language drives systemic power structures, right? Like, if you if you're job if you're interviewing for a job and you say axe instead of ask, they might roll their eyes at you, mm-hmm. right? Even though, like, that has uh African American English vernacular has as complex and and uh complex grammatical rules and as dense a history as as standard written english or whatever yeah um but the the people who control that language impact the world and the physical reality of that world in a very very real way the same way that svetlana is talking about the impact of math
0: yeah is there anything else you want to talk about her classes other characters or should we get to egg's email
1: let's go to let's do egg's email She'll probably cue some things up for me. We
0: have an email address, lottery at cageclub.me, if you want to write in Meg's reaction to The Idiot. While this was not my favorite book of the semester, which was probably Secret History with the instructions as either a tie or a very, very close second, I enjoyed this book for the most part. I was pretty much completely uninterested in Ivan, aside from Selen's initial weird email, which I thought was hilarious, but I liked that Selen's desire for him was not erotic at all. I wish we could have had that email she wrote to him when she was mad. It was as if Selen was hiding it from the reader because she didn't want the readers to think too badly of Ivan, like how you never complained about all the bad things an ex did to your friends because they won't forgive the ex if you ever get back together with
1: them. That's a good point, yeah.
0: I listened to this as an audiobook. I actually think I might have found it funnier if I read it instead of listened. It was read by Ella Batuman, and at times I got distracted by the way she was reading instead of the content of the book itself. She gave a light girlish tone to Selen, that I would not have given her if I had given Selin a voice in my head. I liked Selin a lot, and she reminded me of the friends I had my freshman year. I found myself wanting to hop in the book and give her advice to stop talking to Ivan. He's a weirdo, and you can do so much better than him. Clearly, he's not going to break up with his girlfriend for you, and you, And do you really want to date or be with someone who's going to cheat? If he cheats with you, he will cheat on you.
1: Uh, okay. The, uh, the book doesn't really go into, all, like, infidelity stuff all that much, really. It's
0: kind of almost completely devoid of sexuality. Yeah. Although at the end, when Svetlana's like writing her a note, she's like, I wish I could talk about this dream of these like orgiastic nuns and the clowns or whatever. But like, I ran out of room, so sorry.
1: <laughs> well, Svetlana is, is is much more open about sexuality, about having, about wanting to experience yeah. sexual things and stuff like that.
0: <clears throat> but like Selen's not. Uh, Well, her... her That's not I mean, thrust at least, no her, pun her intended. De-
1: her desire is much more abstract. I mean, she has those bodily desires, but they're more like, they're less directly pointed. And she does seem to feel erotic magnetism to Ivan specifically around ideas of power and around ideas of him being cruel to her which is interesting like i'm interested i'm interested in the lack of politics in this book not that not that there like is like a lack of there's never a lack of politics are you anymore. talking like actual politics or like
0: politics as a metaphor for relationships or something i mean both okay. like it, like
1: I'd, I'd be interested in a feminist reading of this book because Cillian Svetlana, they seem completely devoid of feminist ideas, um, which I think partially is a result of the time, right? as a result of the 1990s sure. and people really only I mean, I'm sure you know feminism in college and stuff like that was obviously has been around for quite quite a long time, but I feel like now people are politicized at such a young age and young women going to Harvard are going to be politicized through feminism in the 90s by, like, reading texts about feminism and things like that. And she's not there yet. We might get there later on. But
0: I think another—and this isn't exactly what you said, but it made me think that, like, there's a decided lack of, like, tying this to current events. Like, it exists in a very specific place and time and location. And I think, if I can remember, the only thing that, like, ties it to—other than just, like, computers are new—I don't know, even a cable is. do I hang myself with it or whatever—is, like, at the end, when she's in Turkey— and she's like, "Oh yeah, a bomb went off in Atlanta, and nobody got, it's, and things are fine now, or whatever."
1: Oh, because it's '96, right? right? This is '95, '96. Yes, but oh, like, man.
0: other than that, like, because you have, and I feel like it's, I think it's good because I think it's it sort of makes it more timeless in a way. Other than like emails, weird, right? Or like looking people up on servers or whatever, which doesn't happen anymore. I think that there's like a – you could be like, oh, and like the president is not blah, blah, blah. like there's like a whole like real world, of, like a stable of history you could tie to and she just doesn't.
1: Well, I think because like that's accurate, right? Because sure. like when I, – I don't know that it's accurate anymore, right? Now the college students that I interact with are – not necessarily politically conscious of things like policy or anything like that, or theory or anything, but they have divided themselves into different like, I have Republican students and I have Democrat students, and they... Will snipe at each other and be angry at each other for very whatever. Like they have, like I have students wearing Let's Go Brandon shirts in class and things like that. Well,
0: that's just like what what's happened to society because of I know that, media that, or that whatever, that's right? that, yeah. that's what I'm
1: saying. I think I think that in the 90s you had pol- you had political students, but I went to college in a post 9 11, so there was we had conversations about that. But it's like politics were not uh, entire identities of people. And they didn't make up a vast majority of our conversation. They still aren't.
0: It just people like want them to be.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like part of it is, is you know that part of that is I'm assuming because I'm a relatively safe uh, demographic-wise, policies were never really threatening me in any way. But myself and the people that I that I talk to, uh, you know. If I polled all of the people that I went to college with and spent a lot of time with, my guess is half of them would be Republican, half of them would be Democrats, or probably like with some skewed version of like a a portion of the people are further left than Democrats, a portion of the people are further right than Republicans. Sure. But there are people that like at the time I I couldn't I didn't know what any of their politics were. I knew that there were people well, who because it wasn't
0: that, a defining characteristic the way it is now where it's like yeah. you, you know your Twitter bio was like Trump twenty twenty four or stop the steal. It's just like what?
1: Yeah, right. It's like not that many people were like riding hard for John Kerry. Well, understandable. A number of people were like, and I, you know, I was one of them, and uh, who were like, fuck George Bush. Like that sure. was th- there was like that, but it was still like it wasn't like fuck George Bush didn't make its way into every conversation. Right, the way that it kind of feels like it does now.
0: And the way that maybe it should have back then.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Meg
0: says, I really like the scene in the beginning when people were complaining about Selen's Einstein poster, because to me, Einstein seems like it's such a benign person. I didn't realize there was a point in time where he, where people were anti Einstein.
1: It's a standout scene. We've all, we've all enjoyed that scene.
0: It reminded me of when Neil deGrasse Tyson got called out during the Me Too movement and his response to it made him seem even worse than the allegations. Now most people have forgotten about all that and he's back in the collective consciousness as
1: quirky scientist. Yeah, I hate Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, actually, the stars
0: in the Titanic film are not... It would not yeah, be... Yeah, yeah. The thing I want to spend the most time on is the end. The last line about Selen changing her major from linguistics because she didn't learn what she wanted to is kind of interesting. I didn't like it at first. I really didn't like it at first. But I kept rolling it around in my head. This book really hit the nail on the head about how I think about language. I only know English, so you the following with a grain of salt. In every language, there are different shades of meaning. You can spend entire papers or classes debating on what the author meant. When you have a translation, it's a translator making a decision on what the author was saying and relating that in another language, like an elaborate game of telephone. Perhaps if you'd read the original text, you would have, not, you would, you would have used different words to convey the meaning. And then, is the translation closer to the original when the translator's a native speaker of the original language or a native English speaker? A speaker of the original language may not have the scope of vocabulary as a native English speaker, and a native English speaker may lose some of the shades of meaning within the original text. why the translation team of Richard Pivir and Larissa Volokonsky, come on, Egg, is so interesting. He's a native English speaker and she's a native Russian speaker. And together they work on translating in a way that gets as close to the original as possible.
1: Yeah, great. I don't, I yeah.
0: Within translation, there are nuances lost or changed every time. For example, there are some people who say that Virgin of the Virgin Mary is a mistranslation. Sure. Is originally supposed to mean something closer to young girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the translation was wrong or different from the original, then the foundation of many different religions is based on the misconception. To go back to the final line of the book, it kind of seems like Selen wanted there to be a truth, with a capital T, that comes from learning communication, but that's not not true or how life works. In my opinion, if there's a capital single truth to be learned or figured out, there would be no point in communication at all. All in all, (laughs) I liked it and I look forward to reading the sequel. Well, thank you, Egg.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a, you know, the uh, my my dad was a uh, language professor, language teacher, and he was very, very specific about this idea that translations are betrayals, that you can't that in translating a text, you lose something essential to the to to the um, to the meaning because of this idea, because of this. I think because of the the, the non Chomsky theory that language, uh, Well,
0: was it the Sapir Whorf thing, right? Yeah, like it's yeah. The whole
1: that that that, la- that each individual language creates its own particular reality, whether that be through something like gendering a chair, or whether it be through uh, you know creating words for stuff that we just that we just don't have in English, So you have to make hybrid words that mean something else or different cases. And trying to translate those things, you you lose meaning. Um, and then, as you get for like when when Egg was talking about the the Torah uh, or the the or the Bible, um,
0: you're probably not the Torah.
1: No, no, but the, I mean the Torah is 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 you know older <laughs> even, and and it has been translated like over and over and over again and the bible's been translated from ancient greek aramaic to latin english to and and the new king james Version. yeah and a lot of these are not based on a lot of these are translations of translations of translations right so you end up with this thing that warps uh potentially incredibly important morality moral Mm -hmm. decisions that people have based their entire lives on sure and it becomes incredibly confusing uh so yeah i think i think uh uh if each translation then splinters a reality especially especially if you're thinking about something like a biblical text something that has influenced so many lives and so many people if each different translation creates a new reality where those people are morally reacting to that translation you have once again this idea of competing realities so you have this thing that we have You know, right now, that is maybe like the premier problem with our, with our, uh, at least American society, which is that you have a large group of people who just can't agree on what's real. There's no, there's no like central idea of truth. It's just like everything that is true can be dismantled because of the source. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something that people are actively
0: working to try to resolve. And I don't know that like it's not going to get better
1: i don't think it is i think it's gonna get more more bifurcated and Mm -hmm. this is the this is the essential failing of language right because it can't like because because it can't convey truth purely it can only convey pieces of truth
0: Mm -hmm. alternative facts right there can't be alternate like by definition a fact is indisputable
1: yeah but we, we dispute them right who did you think
0: of for casting
1: for this novel? Oh,
0: I you know the this I have three, and I've said at least one. But who do you have?
1: The entire season has been near impossible. It's tough because because of they're the all age, age. Yeah. of the of the of the characters. So I didn't I didn't I didn't really think of it. Yeah. Aside from whitewashing, can you see Dylan
0: Galula as Stellan or not really? Sure. Yeah. For Ivan, I had probably been cast in like eighty percent of our things. Adam Driver too old but yeah sure everybody's too old
1: yeah i mean he's like 40 though
0: no he's not (laughs) he's he's like my age i think we probably look this up all the time he's 38 god damn he's gonna be 39 in november yeah 22
1: yeah these these
0: people are too too old find an adam driver type yeah no for sure and then for ralph the only person that casted was well i was saying that i think for svetlana i was picturing a math tutor from my writing center oh, i
1: i i 100 thought that you were going to pick florence Pugh just because she's uh doing the the um the accents in the in the marvel movies
0: <laughs> i would love to put her in it absolutely <laughs> cast her i don't think of marvel as like a, a, a foundational place to cast people from but uh,
1: yeah no even though they're even though they're uh I feel like marvel's sucking up all the fucking talent marvel's losing me
0: i think just too much no mm-hmm. more stuff but Ralph, I have Jacob Elordi from Euphoria.
1: Yeah, you love that guy.
0: I don't love that guy. Yeah, you do. Do you know who that is?
1: Yeah, you, you, you are you. You have like a. Wait, is this true or is this not true? I think that this is true in my head. Oh, you can say whether or not it's true. Oh, boy. Don't you have, like, a Nate blogspot fan thing? Aren't you a guy that, like, created a created a Nate Tumblr with, like, all these pictures of Jacob Elordi, like, in a towel and, like, all of his different fuck scenes <laughs> on that show? And, like, you, you like, have been practicing his, like, his looks in the mirror and stuff? I did. Well, you hear it here. He's not denying it. He's not denying that he has a, has a Nate blogspot fan page uh all i can say is keep you, reading you've got you've got one of those twitter pages that like uh, uh wishes celebrities a happy birthday jacob as, as, updates yeah you're just like you're like uh jacob alurti number one stan uh he he should be with um maddie uh, i don't know i don't i can't i don't really you've lost know. the narrative maddie is is alexa alexa demi yeah she's great
0: man she's awesome yeah that show is filled with talented people
1: uh, yeah, know, if, 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 like if only play. Sam Levinson were talented, <laughs> then, then it would be a, a better show. Uh, today's crime is Sam Levinson running a show.
0: <laughs> At LotteryPod on Twitter.
1: I'm an idiot. Fucking oblivion. John Didion, Pacific Ocean.
0: to be my lover i can be your danny glover i got food
1: inside my cupboard we can both be rediscovered